broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. (laughs) Well, hello everyone and welcome to episode 106 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I am your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, what fun foolishness are we going to talk about today? No battle tomes, so... (laughs) Back to our usual making something up. What we've done here is we've pulled apart all of the battle tomes and we have separated out all of the just straight battle line units. And then we have done comparisons within a book. For instance, like in OCR Bone Reapers, you have your uh, Mortec Guard and your Cavalos Death Riders. And we're going to be doing a versus kind of conversation. You and I haven't done too much pre-front planning no. on this one. So so I expect to exist in a very nebulous gray area, and I expect you to pick a side. Yes, and, absolutely. And I'm sure that'll be very confusing for lots of people. Kind of in a similar vein to what we did in episode 105, where we just we pick a bunch of things from the different books and we're going to talk about them. This one's going to be more in a gaming sense and perspective, mm-hmm. where our last show was you know giving them a <laughs> visual tier list and just kind of a general war scroll rating. We had a lot of fun feedback, actually, from people. And I say fun because I know the comments were in... You offended a lot of people. <laughs> Especially with the law crush and my Q&A was just hilarious when I read this. And I know it was all in the spirit of fun and stuff. And that's what we want. We want people to have a good time as they're listening and just react very viscerally to our foolishness. And that's okay. That's part uh, yeah, of what this Yeah, I think this will be a little more objective. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> right out the gate, we made it clear that it was very subjective. There was nothing other than our opinions the last time. So as you say, this will be a little more grounded, I think, in reality, as it were. And we're kind of light on pre-orders and stuff. Yeah. We're going to just move right in then to Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. So, Brendan, time to talk about our hobby, including heresy stuff. Man, not a whole lot for me. I don't think for you either. Yeah, everything I've been doing, I've been doing at Hobby Night. So I've been building some Seraphon. I have a new inbox army. I got a pretty good deal from Mini Stomp a month and a half or two ago. Mm -hmm. And do I have any aspirations of a specific Seraphon list? No, I do not. (laughs) Have Seraphon basically been good since their book came out? Yes, they have. Is it a good thing to have? Probably. Yeah. I've just been plugging away at building it. Don't really have a scheme in mind. Don't really have a list in line. But, you know, just putting the models together so that if inspiration does strike, at least the first third of it's done. That's great. Coolio. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed watching you build the cavalry. That was really fun. Yeah, all the little comments and stuff as you're trying to build oh, them. what an old and stupid kit that is. Oh, good <laughs> Lord. We are so spoiled with what modern kits are i'm mm-hmm. not that it was like difficult or complicated to put together no. the gaps were terrible just like some of it just straight up doesn't fit together it's my old school favorite way of building stuff where it's an exploded view for you drawing engineers where you take something and then pull it all apart and it just shows where these things are connected with no numbers and you just gotta <laughs> right, guess right. And 
Yeah, that's yeah, what it is. Numbers help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I was working on, I kind of put heresy aside because I really wanted to start on this Dirt Through project. So I worked on him Thursday night when we were there. We had actually a nice surprise. Mark and Isaiah showed up, which considering they live way down in Watertown, which for those who don't know, Wisconsin is quite a drive actually up to where our hobby store is. So that was really cool to sit and talk with them. But Yeah, have had a couple of people the last couple of times. Which so. has been really cool and then Durthu actually beat my old record of only building legs i made like a, a you built f- most of it fourth quarter drive to <laughs> and i actually got the torso and the arms done he's pretty close to ready to prime and get him going with whatever crazy paint scheme i come up with but I'll have to make sure that I start using the Twitter account to do Dan versus Brendan hobby comparison. Yes, we'll have to start taking pictures and sending them to each other so we can do that. That would be fun. That would be really cool. So that's our hobby. Not a whole lot of stuff. In terms of pre-order, well, it's the Leagues of Votan pre-order weekend. But just the big box. Right. Not, nope. Yeah. No specific stuff. But so the space... Cool box. Cool dwarfs, models. Yes. Very cool. If you're going to start 40K, it might be a really interesting army to do. Have you seen the size comparison of some of the models versus like Space Marines? Yes. It's really kind of strange. Yeah, it's very, very strange. strange. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. They're like the same size as Primaris Marines. Oh, in terms, some of of them are. Yeah, Yeah. some of the like the ones that are in the the armor suits. Right. Yeah, the void armor. That just seems nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we need. I guess what would be after Primaris, like. I'd say ultramarines, but you know that's no, uh, that's yeah, mega marines, mega marines, yeah, right. Everything's the size of a terminator or something, and even terminators, terminators are smaller are than the primaris. Size of dreadnoughts, and then dreadnoughts there are the is. size of cats. That's better, yeah, yeah. right. Other than the Space Wars, we have Middle-earth Asgillioth pre-orders are up now. So the Minas Tirith and Mordor armies about 30 figs we talked last time how that's really really like those boxes very generous yep and then the battle box itself with the armies and other things are in there too so that's all on pre-order yesterday and then we're crossing our fingers for oh my sunday announcements it's got to be what we're hoping it is can't do this again yeah go every time i say we're out of ideas (laughs) dan digs deep and thinks oh you know this would be neat Dan is not an endless well of creativity. (laughs) Stop, stop. So we're going to hope that in our Sunday announcements, because we are, strangely enough, this is unusual right now. Recently, the Sunday Sunday uh, recording. We're going to have Sunday announcements. We're gonna. It's something, right? Yeah, we're gonna do the the tease. Something in particular that we want uh, it to be. We want battle tomes. Yes, please, please. Uh, If it's the ogre one. (sighs) Oh no! Please don't do that. Not out of oh, sequence. Please. Come on. Please let it be ogres. <laughs> Make my decision for me for hey, Dragonfall. Who knows? It's GW. They may very well do that. Whoopsies. So moving on to games played, how about you other than Sigmar? I am playing Total War Warhammer 3. Yes. My buddy Cody. Stills the Norskins. Okay. We're starting to get our feet underneath us. Mm. He's going to go west. I'm going to go east. Because like their tech tree like actually splits out based on the kinds of factions you're going to be battling. Okay, now, so you guys have kind of readjusted based on the corrections that were made, right? A little bit, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. There are some real dumb you had things. <laughs> it's nice to see some of it come back to Earth. Some of the stuff like still skated through is being very powerful, which is fine. Sure. It's a video game. It's cool that some things get to still be quite good. Mm-hmm. Rog armies with trolls are nuts. They're like, they're weirdly brave. They're very difficult to kill. Really? I'm waiting to get to have a building done where I can have like frost worms and stuff. So I can also have an aerial component of this list. Like 
He's going to do some damage when I get that army all the way up to, like, Doomstack levels. Sure. Very excited about that. Cool. So, right. Yeah. Did that for other games. I'm sure you're nice. in the midst of... Civ. You know, yeah, just grinding through all the characters. And that is the perfect description because every game now is taking a lot of time. And it's just the battle for tech supremacy is what it ends up being. And... I've adjusted to the fact that I have to become a lot more aggressive at establishing colonies now than mm-hmm. I ever have been. And once I got into that routine, it's worked out okay. I've been able to be competitive and hold off that first wave in most cases, except for a couple I've mentioned, and then just move in and slowly but surely grind it out. It's still very, very enjoyable. You had a Sigmar game. I, I did. Think. I played on the Dias cast. It was published this morning of our recording. Okay. My Bone Reapers versus Nick Slanesh. So it was nice to make my debut on channel with a Death Army. Up to this point, I haven't played any That's true. Death Army on their show. I've played everything else. It was good to get my Bone Reapers on the table. It was nice to get them out and playing. It's my favorite army. I love the way that they look, all of the effort that went into painting them. They it do was look just nice to put it on the table. The play style is so, so, so unique. Do you think this is going to be playing them again and actually having them on the table? Do you think that's going to, will that be part of your decision in terms of Dragonfall, do you think? Maybe the pack came out and you can't do any grand strategies or battle tactics from the book or the white dwarf you have to use everything in the handbook yep you're really handcuffed with the ghb battle tactics for that army because they do play so differently and they have a lot of different unique items to them okay maybe okay the grand strategies are very difficult for them to achieve where the one that is in the white dwarf where you have to have one of your units at full strength at the end of the game yeah you know like that's part of the way that they play. That's what you want to do. It's not that it's easy, but it's within the framework of what you are trying it's to accomplish. It's possible. Exactly. Okay, good. Maybe, but... Uh, okay. The best in battle tome, you know, instead of best in faction, is maybe incentivizing me to, to look at some of the other weird stuff that I've got hanging out on my shelf. Sure. Um, to, to maybe take a crack at. Okay, good. Yeah, great. And yes, you are going to have to listen or watch the video to see the results. We are not telling you that. Mm-hmm. We're not going to spoil their wonderful work that they do they, to get They these. do a lot of work editing it. You're going to have to just... Go over there and watch it. Yes. Make Click it like and subscribe. Tell them hello. <laughs> so we're moving on to events and a new event dropped, which I'm going to have to pass on. But if uh, you remember, I went to a thing called FreeCon, which was all wargaming, you know, mostly board game type wargaming mm-hmm. down in Freeport back in the middle of winter. It was like, I think, February or something. So he's having a fall FreeCon now and it's the weekend before Dragonfall. And I'm like, ah, oh, no, I, it's too much travel. <laughs> it's you. just too much. And so I'll have to pass. But the nice thing is is that three weeks later is going to be RockCon, and I know Ike and his crew will be there with all their board games. So I can spend that time doing that. We've only got about a month before Dragonfall now. Just about. Yeah, by the time we post this, it will be really close to time. We're going to have to get lists finalized and things in just a few weeks. So, Uh. yeah, Brendan's going, oh, my God. And then RockCon's five weeks out, Mm -hmm. so not very far away at all, which is really, really cool. Shortly after that is Renegade in Minnesota. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've got that. We both have to get our packs written for Adepticon here in the very near future. Yeah, I think that's it for events and other stuffs. So, Brendan, we're going to move into the meat of the program, which is Hold the Line. Hold the Line. 
Man, what are we, a team? No, 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 we're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well, listeners, we're going to kind of go in reverse order somewhat from last, from last time. Show. Yeah, so we're going to start with death in terms of pure battle line. So, you were in charge of the notes, so Night Haunt is first, unsurprisingly. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Chain Rass versus Hex Rays, Brendan. Mm-hmm. So we've got two really good units. They're really solid in terms of battle line. They're only... You know, 110 versus 150 for 10 wounds. 160. 160 it is now, right? For hex wraiths. Man, this is such a tough choice for me when I look at the point. I mean, it's a 50 point difference. That's pretty significant. But, and chain wraiths have a five up unrendable save. They certainly have the poss- the a pretty reasonable possibility of having a five up ward in the Night Haunt Battle Tome. You know, in terms of hitting power or anything else or mobility other than deep striking them, they're pretty limited that way, but they make excellent screens. If you put them in a big enough unit, they make great swamps to just get you stuck in, great tar pits. There's certainly a lot of possibilities for bringing back models to keep them holding out for two, three, maybe even more, you know, battle rounds. So they have a lot of use. I just think that hex rays, and I know they're 50 points more. I get that. I'm looking at, for example, for screens. And you're talking about if you put those five hex rays, you know, kind of long ways based, you know, putting that inch between them, because you can do that. There's only five. You're getting almost 16 inches of front coverage versus 10 inches for those a chain rasps. And that's a really big amount of coverage for a screening unit. You're going to have trouble getting around that you know, if you're using them for a screen. The other thing is their incredible mobility. With that new rule they got moving up to 24 inches, now they can't charge, but man, they could just get about anywhere on the board that you want them to get. They are 10 wounds, and they're 10 wounds with a four-up unrendable save. So they're certainly more survivable. They're a lot more mobile. Do I think that 50 points is worth it? I think it's worth considering. And I've seen a fair amount of lists that have hex race versus chain rasps. You get to the point where if you go, you know, with 10 of them, then there's other issues with in terms of number of attacks they can have and touching enemy units and things like that. But in terms of survivability, they certainly exceed yep. chain rasps. So what are your thoughts on those? I'm really leaning towards hex race. In fact, for Dragonfall, I'm thinking about taking a fair amount of them, maybe 15 to 20 of them. But what are your thoughts? I did a lot of testing with the Night Haunt book leading up to ATC. Sure. And a lot of my decisions did actually revolve around this very specific okay. problem. The thing that I found was that chain rasps fit my play style better. I am a more patient, I am a more defensive style of player. Mm. The ability to put Chain Rafts in Expert Conquerors was ultimately what fit the way that I played best. All of that being said, I think in a vacuum, you are better suited taking Hex Rays and learning to play with and around them. The 160 versus 110 points, right? Same number of wounds, effectively more wounds because of the improved save. Both of them are unrendable. Movement is a nice thing extra that you're getting for. You're getting the same effective number of attacks as it's four attacks per model, right? And you are going to be at 21 with the champion and 21 with the chain rass. You're getting half of those attacks at a 
better level than the chain rasp, the other half of the attacks you're getting at exactly the same level, so you're talking attribution in that perspective. You are avoiding your opponent's bounty hunters by being on a mount. You can be in bounty hunters turning your size up to damage too, which is right. quite nice. Yep. Right. The double move is incredible. <laughs> if you are considering the opportunity to go and take an objective late or pin your opponent in, that rule is nuts. The spectral hunters is cool. You know, it's a two up extra D3 mortal wounds. That's neat. Taking them MSU is a great way to try and land a bunch of different charge values that you're looking for to get your size up to a Ren 2 or Ren 3. I mean, yeah. and you're going to have the sun out there, so you're basically sitting on Ren yeah, 2. Of course. <laughs> I think in a vacuum, hex wraiths are the better choice. My lists have included chain rafts just because it fits my play style okay. uh, a little bit more closely. Let's move on. So flesh eater courts only have a single choice. They're womp, ghouls. Womp, womp. And so we're going to move on past them because that choice sorry, is kind of courts. yep sorry there are a few people that only have a single choice and we apologize that we can't talk more about that but there's not much to talk about so let's move on to soul blight because we have three very nice choices we got zombies we have skellies and we have wolves to compare those three so you know i've got certainly have a bit of a, a bias in this and towards wolves having played with them a fair amount you know versus I, the other I two i think this new handbook has made wolves a lot worse. Yep. Way worse. Yep. I would agree with you in a lot of ways, yes. Especially with bounty hunters and that kind of thing. So I'm going to take them off the board because of the new handbook. I just don't think they're worth considering for the points, for their vulnerabilities now. And I just don't know that they serve the purpose they did before. And they were very effective before in fairly large numbers. That takes us down to skellies and zombies. I think this is a matter of playstyle, honestly, Brendan. Because, you know, skellies, if you have them in sufficient numbers they can come back and they're fairly reliable for coming back and that can be annoying as hell for your opponent to keep you know oh a little bit. i took out 15 of them all i got 10 back so okay great you know that just continuously having to deal with that as an opponent is frustrating and it also is great in terms of being a tar pit or holding an objective or some of the really important things you need to do the other thing is just like zombies they can come up from grave sites you take a brick of those and put them somewhere your opponent has to deal with them they're going to have to commit some resources to take a unit of those out they can't just kind of fly over there and push them out of the way and then go back and do what they were doing they're going to have to really consider the amount of resource that they commit to dealing with them and they're going to have to deal with them because you can take them in expert conquerors mm -hmm. so they can give you that three for one if you want that so zombies i mean you see a lot of lists with zombies you see a lot of lists with 60 zombies you know those kind of things 120 zombies. yeah craziness certainly as i look at zombies having 60 in a unit as long as you can preserve them from having to do battle shock uh, because i think there are a lot of units that can go in there and kill 20 to 40 of them pretty handily well, well with bounty hunters now there's yeah. units that can kill all 60 all of them 60. In, in a go Sure. Fair point. So they're more vulnerable than they were before. I think the thing that's redeemable in terms of them, there's two things. One is that 16-inch envelope of movement given their extended pile-in. Mm -hmm. That range threat is pretty significant for a huge mass of those things. And the other thing you need to worry about is just volume of dice. I mean, if you're rolling that many dice and on sixes you're doing mortals, that's something you need to think about before they get locked in with something or before you commit something to them you know if you kill 40 and there's still 20 of them around oh man there might be 25 or 30 by the time they end up attacking if if you spike mm -hmm. and so i think that's 
something to consider. I don't know. I'm really torn between these two. My play style and just the models, I prefer Skellies. I like the fact that they come back the way I like that mechanic, the return mechanic. Uh, I think they're very reasonable for, you know, a cost differential between the two. I think I would take Skeletons. That would be my preference. But what do you think about those two choices? Again, unfortunately, this is a set of units. So Soul Blight has really paid the price for mm. what the current handbook is, where, yeah, yes. you get access to expert conquerors, but everything bounty hunters you. <laughs> and you have really only battle line units that are bounty hunterable. Yes, right. Um, <laughs> this is your straight battle line selection choice. Sure. It's made wolves terrible. Whereas before their benefit was like a lot of these things were damage one and you know it, it took some time to kill wolves, but now every time you fail a save, a wolf dies. Sure. Effectively. Mm-hmm. In those instances. With zombies and skellies, you're presented a more interesting question and put my credentials on the table here, Dan. Yeah, with Dr. Death. You know, <laughs> I was the first person in the world to 5-0 with this Soul Blight book in 3.0. Yes. My list that I took was mixed arms where I had a big brick of skeletons and I had a big brick of zombies. So I am a firm believer in both of them in Mm. terms of their credentials. In this environment, 30 skeletons, you know, when you've taken them all the way to, you know, their maximum version. Double reinforcements, sure. Double reinforced aren't worth your time. Okay. I really don't think so. And it pains me to say that because I love playing with the the skeletons. (laughs) You have forever. The zombies are the way to go. The fact that you're going to be able to take them in the Bricks of 60, put them in the Expert Conquerors, you throw them out there. They are very difficult to move, and they are very difficult to get rid of. They are great Galatian Veterans units. They are the 180 prime, wounds. They are the prime example for something that you want to Gorslav or potentially come back up to oh. the grave because the half-size unit of them is 30, where a half-size unit of you know the double-reinforced skeletons is 15. With Soul Blight, it's about an extended, protracted value. Now, you're talking about 360 points in that case versus 240, but that 120 points is well spent over the course of a game as a Soul Blight player. Fair. Okay, cool. And that is an answer that pains me deeply. <laughs> of course. All right, let's move on to your favorite my Bone favorite. Reapers. My yep. Bone Boys. And we're going to talk about Murder Ponies versus Mortec Guard. Exactly. So the only two battle line selections you have <laughs> for these two. <laughs> That's it. Where Mortec Guard are coming at 140 points and Cavalos Death Riders come in at 190 points. Mm-hmm. You have really exceptional value in the both of them. They come in, you know, 10 wounds for the Mortec Guard at a 4-up save with a 4-inch move. The weapons that you're going to be taking since they're there's no longer an incentive to take the spears with yes. basically bonds of friendship or whatever what, the, whatever the whatever rule is whatever yes. the rule is called <laughs> where there're two attacks apiece with rend 1 you know you explode on sixes they're in a very effective unit you sit down with shield wall you're rerolling your saves there's a lot of things that you can take now you can't all out defense but you know, for instance, if you have a Catacross on the board, you're a three-up save. Or if you're playing Petrifex, you can reduce incoming rend by one. Mm. You know, you can still accept Mystic Shield and those kinds of things. There is reliably a way to get them into a very defensible place. On the flip side, you have your Cavalos Death Riders, which are three wounds apiece. So you're getting 15 wounds for that 190 points. Movement 12, which is excellent. Oh, yeah. There are three attacks apiece as well. They're not quite the same in terms of, you know, the rider, how much damage output you get, but you also have the ponies, so you end up with net more attacks. They have the same defensive benefits from just the ability to get the better save. They have the ability to have exploding attacks. If you take lances for some unknowable reason, you explode better off the charge. And they have an all right, you know, command ability on their war scroll where they're doing impact hits and then it gives them the ability to pile in an extra three inches when they would pile in off the charge, which 
can be situationally very useful. They just don't work well in big, huge blocks typically. I find more often than not, my lists end up being built around the Mortec guard mm -hmm. with the murder ponies in support. Sure. That doesn't mean though that you can't build something like a Stalyark Lord's list where you're doing retreating and charging with them and getting solid benefit out of it. But I just find typically that when I'm playing, I have somewhere between 40, 50, 60 Mortec guard that forms just kind of this unmovable front. I grind my way through the game playing a hammer and anvil kind of tactic or a swinging gate for you military strategists yeah, where I have my anchor point and then I come around to try and close the gate. I don't think you'd be wrong for playing around Death Riders, but you have to make more considerations when playing Osiarch Bone sure. Reapers to do so. I think for me, it's kind of a simple choice in terms of your play style. Do you want to be a little more offensive, a little more mobile, move around the board and have units that can move around the board a little more quickly? Or do you want to just stick in? Do you want to be that, to use the analogy, the 300? You want to be those Spartans that are just that wall that just you, you just can't break do an enemy on. Them. Yeah, and so I think that's a matter of playstyle. And to your point, your playstyle is more the Mortec Guard. You know, that's what you're comfortable with. It, Patience. It's kind of it gets Patience. back to the chain ras versus the hex race. You know, what is your playstyle? And so I think if I'm going to do this, I am just a absolute sucker for cavalry and everybody knows that by now and they're tired of me saying it but i'm going to because <laughs> it's my show one of the other things here that in this handbook that makes for an interesting item of comparison is mortec guard aren't as negatively impacted by bounty hunters as most other factions mm. are because of the rare ability to re-roll save rolls. Mm. You can put them in Expert Conquerors, you, you can replace your deficiencies for the number of models you're going to have on the board by making the models that you have in the places you do count for extra, and then all of the attacks you're getting on the murder ponies, you can put them in Bounty Hunters. I'm basically telegraphing what my list was. Sure, uh, that's at, fine, yeah. Uh, on the Dias cast, where you can sit there and be damaged too. You have Rend built in. Like, mm -hmm. these are really good units. Excellent. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to go move into Destruction. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Okay, back after a quick break, we're going to go through Destruction. This one is going to be kind of short because most of the Destruction factions, Brendan, have a single choice for... Yeah, it's rough. It's so... <laughs> Our apologies throughout this whole thing to anybody who's just got a single choice. We're going to kind of move past that because that's what you got. Yeah, and a lot so, of the decision making we made on that was if you were battle line if, it fundamentally changes the conversation. You're specifically building around them. You know, something like going big yellows and having the access to the Bolt Boys versus also having access to mm -hmm. Gut Rippers. Now it's a totally different kind Because you're comparing elites to basic troops, in, in essence, is what you're doing. And it, that's not a conversation, really. Different army construction. Right. You're making choices on the other rules that you're taking totally independent of that. That's a whole other show where we talk about battle line if, you know, Next at some episode, point. if right. we don't have... <laughs> we don't have battle totes. All right. So let's start out with our little buddies. We have Shooters versus Stabas in Gloom Spites. And I don't know, again... These might be the most similar units. Yes, that, in a lot of ways. Of I think one of the things that I think is interesting is throwing in netters. Because... At first, these things just look like, okay, whatever. It doesn't really matter what I'm playing against or what I play with. But you throw netters in there, that's a big deal. 
that makes them much more survivable than a lot of other. Thankfully, both of them have them as well. Yes, so that and that's not, really like, nice. It basically, if one of them had it, be like, it's the unit with netters. That's right. the one that you want. You know, and I think, again, a lot of these choices come down to play style. So with shooters, you know, you want to have that unit of 20 or 40 models out there that are a little harder to get rid of. They're just going to ping stuff and just be annoying as hell because that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Or do you want models that are going to get in and just poke and stab and have to come at you versus sit back and wait for you to come at them, which you will eventually. I think it's kind of fun that in the last couple metas we've had that, you know, shooting has been so prominent. I think it would be kind of fun to play with shooters versus stabbers. And again, as you said, netters in both, obviously, for resiliency. I just think that'd be a more fun way to play, to have a whole crap load of those on a table. Yeah. What are your thoughts on these guys? Just phoning it in, right? Stabas are 150, shooters are 140. Yeah. The damage output is basically the same on their melee profiles. Shooters have a ranged profile. And what's the range on those? Oh, goodness. As a reminder. 15 inches. Okay, well, 16 I can, inches, sorry. And that's respectable. It's fine. Both of them have netas. The Stabas have... You know, access to shields, which would give you plus one save mm-hmm. to bring you to a six up, ignoring rend one. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> 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 to me, it's kind of a no-brainer. I think you're taking shooters. You're effectively at the same points. Your overall damage output is going to be higher on shooters, and your survivability is going to be similar, if not the same, between the two. Mm-hmm. Almost everything's rolling around with some amount of rend at this moment in time, just given what the meta is, or the purple sun is going to be out there (laughs) doing effectively the same thing. So cool, your plus one save is basically the same. And if you're asking me what kind of unit I'd like to have late by bringing it back through the rock, I'd much rather have shooters. Just having that opportunity to try and get some extra damage without putting yourself in immediate danger. The shooting profile's bad. Like, don't get me wrong on this right. one. It's chip damage. But damage is damage. Such, right. Exactly. It's so gloom spite. It's so gets yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> to do that kind of thing, to want to sit back and harass somebody and then run away. Run away! Run, run away! away. <laughs> Okay, so we're moving on to Maw Tribes, and unfortunately, this is one of the singles. We have Gluttons, which are a very respectable. I just wish they were better. Yes, and maybe they will be. With the bonds of friendship, <laughs> they are better, but just the, the points that they sit at for what they do, like... Mm, tough. Oh, God, tough call. they're such a tough take. Sure. And then we have Sons, so Giants. Uh, we have Man Crushers. They are so the choice. they have multiple battle line choices. In, okay. In that they have... Pure battle line. Yeah, right. in that you take the any mm-hmm. of the Megas and also the Man Crushers. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad you didn't include them because that is such a bizarre conversation. Yes. They're not comparable. They serve totally different functions. Right. Just completely different functions. Sure. Let's move into war clans. And we have three here. Two out of the three are single choices. So we have for Cruel Boys, we have the Gut Rippers. Yep. Yep, which are okay. Yeah. We have in... Bone Splitters. Bone Splitters. We have Savage Orcs. Coolio. Yeah. And then we get down to our choice, which is in Iron Jaws, which is Brutes versus Ard Boys. Hey, man, this is kind of like a happier, glad kind of choice, Brendan. It really is in a lot of ways. I mean, you get more wounds. You do get more wounds. That's cool. You know, for the Brutes, you get an extra wound. like double the points. Right? Yeah. So, you know, the choice there is, do you get that extra wound? You're paying twice as many points for a battle line unit. I like Ard Boys, and I've liked seeing Ard Boys on the table. I disagree here. 
I kind of think that Ard Boys are the choice, but you're going to go with Brutes. I am going to go with Brutes. Okay. Brutes are one of the few units that are just straight battle line that profited by being in this edition of 3.0 with this handbook. Mm. The Bonds of Friendship benefit this unit hugely. Sure. Where you can take them in a unit of 10 and feel good about it. Where their one-inch range weapon, which you would only take in a unit of 5 before, which you weren't doing, mm-hmm. it's four attacks each. Threes by threes, rend one, damage one. Oof. That is so excellent. They have their school rule where enemy models with the wounds characters of one that are within three inches of this unit cannot contest objectives. Mm-hmm. So that turns off oh. you know, some of the most common versions of Expert Conquerors. Mm-hmm. And then anything with the wounds characteristic of four or more, they get plus one to hit. So that's saving you a command ability. Not that you are necessarily you know, worried for them. If you have your Maw Crusher, right, you can issue the same command to three units. But it saves you from receiving a command so that you can take all-out defense potentially and be a three-up save against nothing with Rend. Brutes just do work. You take them in bounty hunters and you just send them after anything that is remotely Galatian veteran looking and watch them explode that thing. Sure. That makes sense. I think our boys are in a very tough place. Five of them for 85 points with the four-up save. Bravery five. Yeah. So one of the things that's a little bit mitigating is if they do rally, and they don't rally much because they're always in your face. You know, they're not away from you at all, but they're rallying on a four-up instead of a six-up. If they're holy within 12 of right. the war chanter. Right. Now they want to be, right? That's, that's part of it. Right. But they have no rend. Right. The, and the six-up ward is like a, you know. It's fine. Yeah. But, Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad we had good discussion so on that. that does it for the short part of this. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to move on to Chaos. So let's start with Beasts of Chaos. We have Gores versus Ungors. It's weird. For all the things that you can take as battle line in this army, there's mm-hmm. only two that are just straight battle line. Yes. Gores are 70 points. Ungors are 65 and to me, there's absolutely no no choice at all. You're taking Gores. They have a better save. They have better bravery. They have a better bit of offense. Like, it's just, it's laughable by comparison. Yeah, wow. Like, the thing that Gores would have come away with as being frustrating is they couldn't get all their attacks in. But again, with the Bonds of Friendship, you can get all of their attacks in. And sure. it, it's really good. You're a five-up save base, and you are going to, if you're taking the shield, be a four-up save in combat. You're adding one to your attacks characteristic if you have 20 or more models. For five more points, it's so obvious. Yeah. Agreed. I agree with that. They can both be dropped in, right? Basically everything can be. But because they are Bray Herd, there's no special consideration right. that you have to make to set them up off right. table. Good stuff. Okay. We're certainly in agreement on that one. Now we get to Blades of Corn, and we have two comparisons here. The first one we're going to talk about, we're basically talking about mortals versus demons here, is what we're doing. The first one is Bloodletters versus Fleshhounds. Again, my propensity for more mobile units. I think for the points and I think for the utility that they bring, I really like flesh hounds more than I like blood letters. I do as well. I think that they really give you more flexibility. I think they're not quite as effective in combat. They don't have the special rules that give you that piece of it, but they're much, much more mobile. They really serve a purpose of filling gaps when you think about a typical corn list. Because you have enough other stuff in a corn army that's going to get out there and just get in people's face. I mean, that's what blood letters are. You know, they're demons that have these huge, weird demon swords that go out and beat on stuff. But they still got to get there. 
you know, and there's a lot of other stuff in the army that can get there better. Yeah, for me, it's flesh hounds are five fewer points. They're faster. They have roughly the same level of durability. Mm-hmm. They have a higher level of offense. Yes, bloodletters have one rend. Cool. They have the ability to do mortal wounds. That's cool. The difference is, is you have 21 attacks with a unit of flesh hounds, and you have mm-hmm. 11 with a unit of bloodletters, just mm-hmm. straight up outright. They also have the ability to unbind a spell and reroll charges, which, hey, that's... It is so good. Pin and win. Hold up the army so that, you know, your slower, a little bit more fighty stuff can come up a little yep. bit later. Yeah, that magic utility piece. It's very much corn. It's very thematic in terms of that army. That's always a fun piece to have as well. We're buying off on Flesh Hounds. Now we have Blood Warriors versus Blood Reavers. What are you thinking Boy, here? Boy, yeah, wow. I don't know. This is a tough choice to me. It's a tough choice because I think they're bad. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, they're, yeah, they're both equally, yeah. yeah. Blood <laughs> Warriors are 190 points for 10, which is yikes. Yeah. At least they're two wounds each with a four-up save. You know, that's, that's neat, cool. You get 20 Reavers. <laughs> you get 20 wounds. for You get 20 figs. They take up more of the board. At the same price value, if I have to do this picking, I'm taking Blood Reavers for the easy Blood Tithe points. Like, mm-hmm. there you go. That's why. Yeah. I think they're both terrible, like, yeah. as utility pieces. You're taking the Blood Reavers as screens and to die. Mm -hmm. That's the role they're serving. I I don't know that Blood Warriors are going to do anything for you. I get this picture, you know, when I think about 40K, when I think about Chaos Armies that are fighting, you know, the Imperium, whatever, the first thing you always see on the battlefield is just these waves of cultists coming in as cannon fodder. And then the Space Marines behind them, you know, the Chaos Marines. definitely do that. That's kind of what I picture these guys as. And I'm going with the Blood Reavers as well because they fill that role of just throw them forward. Get out there and die. Yeah, die. Give me some points so I can bring in something worthwhile <laughs> kind of a thing. And, but they serve the purpose. You have to deal with them. They can't just sit there. I wouldn't spend uh, any of my battalion uh, slots on making them conquerors no. or bounty hunters. They dry up too fast. They're just going to die. Yeah. They're there to die. Mm-hmm. If they take anything with them, awesome. They're there for your blood tithe points. You mm-hmm. can get what you want either by ability or by summoning a mm-hmm. unit that's... But they buy you time. And that's to bring that other stuff in. And okay, they serve a purpose. All right, let's move on to Zinch, which (laughs) this conversation may be moot in just hours, we're hoping. We don't know yet. So we're going to talk about horrors versus acolytes versus zangors. Yeah. As things currently stand. Disparately different units. Whoa. Um, so I'll start with acolytes or garbage. Don't even think about yes. them. Don't waste your time. So, 120 points for 10 of them, and they don't do anything. No. Forget it. No. I don't know. Horrors versus Zangors. I look at the horrors, and I just look at what they give you. I mean, they give you, not only can they shoot a little bit, but they also give you this huge mass of wounds. I mean, it's just a huge wound pit. Mm-hmm. Zangors are tougher for sure. They're probably punchier. I think you could argue that. But horrors just give you so much for the money. Yeah, so like, for 250 points, you get 10 of them, which amounts to 50 wounds. Yeah, you're, ta- you're paying five points per wound in this unit. Pretty good. And, Brendan, you got to get through the 50 wounds. That's the other thing. Yeah. You know, it's not an easy task either. <laughs> no, not at all. So do you take that or you take Zangors, which are tougher. Mm-hmm. They are punchier. Individually tougher, yes. Yeah, they're punchier. But 
they're easier to get rid of. I mean, the purpose that they serve in a Zinch army, I just don't know that they're worthwhile. I mean, now we're not talking about Zangors on discs, you know, or those kind of things either. That's a different kind of Zangor. That's a different breed of Zangor. We're just talking about the line troops, which, you know, I just remember Zangors in the olden days. I played you first and I played and a turn. I, I had it was built just- that wild anti-Nagash Zangor list and oh. a bunch of stuff immediately changed right after it. And it was just like you touch it, you die. You touch it, you die. You touch it, you die. And you couldn't kill it either. And I remember playing against a guy who had like 20 of them, I think, or 30. He had his huge brick of them at a tournament. I think it was Meltdown. Mm-hmm. And after my experience with you, I was like, what can I do? This is when I still have my daughters. What can I do to engage them, but not engage them? Like the least I wanted, that is the one unit on the whole table out of a Z army I didn't want to have to deal with. But it's not that way anymore. Different world. Very different world. I think you're taking horrors, right? It's 200 points for a total mm-hmm. of 20 wounds. They are individually more offensive. You can get them to wounding on twos pretty reliably. We'll see what the rest of the book has in store for them, you know, because mm-hmm. obviously we're just working off of the updated War Scroll from that little battle box that came out with it, which right. is, you know, expected to stay based on everything we've seen so far with all of the other kinds of books. It's tough to go wrong with Pink Horrors. Sure. Yeah. The only reason you'd be taking Acolytes is because you need cheap battle lines. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Zeech version of Blood Reavers, you know? Cool. <laughs> Woo, throw them in. Die, die. Okay, let's move on to Slanesh's Hedonites. Mm-hmm. We actually have three choices we're throwing in here because we have three different types of battling. We have Demonettes, we have the Blissbarb Archers, which are mortals, and we have Hellstriders. Are there any of these that were taken off the board right away of this three, do you think? Or do we think we're going to be able to talk about each one of these as worthwhile. I think they are all worthwhile. The Hellstriders with Claw Spears, I don't mm-hmm. think really do anything. But yeah, I think the three of them have individual merit. The tough part is, is so much of what Knights is right now is that it revolves around the Blissbarb Archers, which mm-hmm. is going to kind of overshadow this conversation here. Sure. So I'll get started with that. Okay, yeah. So Blissbarb Archers come in as the most expensive version here. They're 140 points where Demonettes are 130 and the Hellstriders are 135. But what you're getting for that 140 points is 11 models, 10 of which can shoot. One mm-hmm. of them is gives you plus one to wound on the bows. For those that don't remember, the bows are 18-inch range, two attacks apiece, fours and fours, rend one, damage one. You're going to be wounding on threes. And they have a special rule. Yeah, they can run and still shoot, which is great. The thing that's most important for them is you have so many of them. Mm-hmm. And you're going to split all these attacks into a bunch of different units. And your whole goal, all of what their goal is, is to generate a ton of depravity points mm-hmm. so that you can use that for summoning. Mm-hmm. Where when you look at the things like Demonettes, they're very squishy. In combat, they're neat. They're two attacks apiece. Right. Cool. Fours and fours, rend one, damage one. Sixes to hit explode. You know, that's all lovely. You can run and still charge later in the turn. That's useful as well. That's fine. The Hellstriders are even faster. The Claw Spear 1 is damage 2 off the charge with its one attack. Mm-hmm. And the Hell Scourges hand out a minus 1 to hit situation, which is quite good. I think right now, just the way it is, your lists revolve around your ability to take Bliss Barb Archers, your ability to put their shots into as many targets as mm-hmm. possible, and do 
one wound. That's yeah. it. You're paying 140 yep. points to try and generate several hundred points worth of summoning over the course of the game, which is a pretty powerful, like, money mover. Well, and I think, you know, all these, so much of it depends on summoning. You know, it doesn't depend on it, but so it's summoning. so powerful. And Hedonite specifically, because uh, everything is so soft. And you talked about the Blood Reavers, you know, creating those points. Blood Pied points, yeah. points. And that's a really important mechanic for corn generating... Pravity. Depravity is monstrously important for Slanesh. So I am going to go with Blissbarb Archers as well, because when I look at the three units, I say which one of these can generate, really, if you kit out your army right in terms of the numbers, you can generate a really scary number of depravity points in one turn. If you do it right. Right, if you do it right. So I think they, in terms of the mechanic of the army and what you want to do, you know, bring in those other, kind of like the Blood Reavers, you know, break, they'll die, they bring in other stuff. Yeah, if you can get your hands on them, they die oh, in a stiff of course. breeze. Any of these things are like that. Right, the other part of it, though, is purple sun, purple sun, purple sun. Mm -hmm. Toss it out there and suddenly your archers are Ren 2. And Oof. And then I can guarantee you some stuff is going to take at yeah. least one wound. Well, and then you can split fire even more if you want to do that. At, you know, yeah, at that point, you're basically just doing the math of what are the odds I get one wound through on all of these different yeah, things. Yeah, you know, five or six units, that's a lot of depravity points in one turn, yeah. It'll get you up there. That's yeah, a lot of splitting. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Some bookkeeping, perhaps. All right, let's move on to Nurgle. And our choices are Plague Bearers versus Blight Kings. <laughs> I love this choice. I, I don't know that it's super competitive, but it's a great choice in the sense of like, it's a really distinct Mortals unit and it's a really mm -hmm. distinct Demon unit. Mm -hmm. When I look at this, but you're really talking about you know, tar pits versus smashing things. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's really what it is. So how? what's your play style? Is your play style to take 20 plague bearers and just dump them on an objective and say, yeah, fine. I get a five up, five up, six up, five up save, right? Okay, take me off the board. That's fine. Oh, and by the way, I might bring some of my models back. That would be really cool too. <laughs> Go ahead. Just take me off the board as opposed to blight kings, which are, oh, Hi, I'm in your backfield. You got to deal with me. Because if you don't deal with me, I'm going to crush your army. I don't even think that that's the most effective way to use Blight Kings. You know? I mean, that's what you see, though. That's very yeah, common usage of them. And it may not be the most effective, but it's certainly something that people play a lot. They're tough as heck to take off the board. They're no less so than Plague Bearers. It almost might be that choice between... There's no reason you can't use Blight Kings, Brendan, the same way you could use Plague Bearers in terms of objective holding or tar pits and those kind of things because mm -hmm. they actually have a better save and they have the same ward save. So you're right. There are multiple uses for them. I don't know that there are a lot of multiple uses for Plague Bearers. So maybe they're more utilitarian. Yeah, Plague Bearers are, you go on an objective and that's where you live. Right. And that's going to be what you do. Yeah. Like Kings, you have more options. You're going to go out there and you're going to fight. The thing they suffer from is that they are Galatian veterans, so they are more durable than most things you're going to deal with. But you're paying a premium to be mm. extra vulnerable to something that maybe you don't want to be. 21 wounds for 250 points. Yeah, you're looking at 25 attacks. Threes and threes, rend one is pretty solid and some mortal wounds at the end of it. Reroll your battle shock. Mm -hmm. I think the pick in general is probably the plague bearers actually is the thing that you're going to be looking to take. But in reality, it's the battle line if of blight lords that mm -hmm. are going to dominate the army. But removing them from that conversation, I'm a big fan of plague bearers, taking some of them in expert conquerors, basically picking a couple of points that you're not going to have to think about the rest of the game and then taking the rest of your army and just going and <laughs> sure. going good luck. Yeah, there you go. Good. So plague bearers, I agree with that. I just like plague bearers. And it's always for me, you know, I'm less of the competitive thing. I like their story. I like what they do. 
their ability to just sit there for the points you're paying. And that point differential is pretty significant, I think, when you're making choices. So the next one's kind of an easy choice because we just talked about this book, unfortunately, which doesn't exist in your mind, of course, which is Clan Rats versus Storm Vermin. I mean, it's Clan Rats. Yeah. I mean, just for the points, you do not get enough out of Storm Vermin to pay those. And and the point differential is significant, Brendan. It's 135 for 10 in Storm Vermin, and it's 100 points for 20 with Clan Rats. (sighs) Yes, Storm Vermin have a two attack, threes by threes, rend one, damage one profile. Mm. That's lovely, and they serve as bodyguards, but. Clan rats are going to be able to throw more attacks into the mix, right? Mm-hmm. With the rule in the Skaven book where you can increase right. the range of the weapons. And there are plenty of ways to buff them in that book. Yep. So they're not just clan rats. You are returning models at the end of the battle shock phase. They just do so much more. I wish Storm Vermin were better because I would love to the Skaven army that I am required to play through, yes. through Oath of Money. Sometime before next summer, yeah. <laughs> you know, is to play like a Clan Verminous army. I think sure. they look cool. I think the Warbringer's cool. I think like the Claw Lords are cool, but mm. wow, garbage. Yep. But, and like the other thing that kills me is you're spending your very limited resource of reinforcement points on making a bad unit slightly less bad. All right. Slaves of Darkness. Yeah, we got two choices here. We got Marauders versus Horsemen. And Marauder I actually Horsemen. had to look up what the Legionnaires were, and I'd forgotten <laughs> that it's the new War Scroll. Yeah, so. and Legionnaires versus Warriors is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Brennan, Marauders versus Marauder Horsemen. Well, you know what my choice is just because of my... Uh, yeah, because of your love of horses. Horses! You know, <laughs> those Navy guys, they just love their horses. <laughs> It makes perfect sense. Of course. Sure. So Marauders come in at 90 points for the 10 of them, and Marauder yeah. Horsemen come in at 110 points for the 5 of them. Yeah. I do think it's an interesting choice because they share a lot of uh, similar rules in terms mm-hmm. of the things that give them the ability to defend. The horses have Retreat and Charge, which is quite lovely. And the thing that the Chaos Marauders have, which is turn the lowest dice into a 6. Yeah. And Instant Charging... That's pretty good. I think the choice is Marauders on foot. A unit of 20 of them can actually pose to be quite problematic, like mm-hmm. just as a thing that exists. Sure. The horsemen are useful. They're a very good screen. They're very quick. You know, They obviously skirt the Galatian veteran component by being on a horse. Yes. Um, you're typically not going to see them in units of 10 or more to give them plus one to hits. Right. So they are basically just there to die because... They're not going to do anything where Marauders actually do have the chance of doing something where in increased sizes, if you have at least 10 of them, you're plus one to hit. If you have at least 20 of them, they're rend one. Mm-hmm. So that- Plus one to hit and rend one. There you go. Yeah. Pretty bad. good. So Legionnaires versus Warriors, Brendan. This, I think, with the new rules for Legionnaires, is an interesting choice. I don't think it is as... It, it was more difficult than I was expecting it yes. to be. Mm-hmm. You have Chaos Legionnaires, which are 8 models for 110 points, and you have Chaos Warriors, which are 10 models for 200. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that makes the Chaos Legionnaires an interesting conversation, they have a very good weapon profile, which is great. Some of them can be damage too. Some of them have more attacks. Mm-hmm. The rule that they have, which is so confusion, is at the start of any phase, once per turn, you can pick an enemy unit within six inches on a four-up. That unit cannot issue or receive commands. You cannot pick the same unit as a target for this ability more than once in the same phase. That is an incredible rule. On a four-up? Any phase? Yeah, any phase. (laughs) 
um, <laughs> where your Chaos Warriors are much more reliable in terms of what you're expecting from a unit, right? Mm-hmm. It's 20 wounds, sure. there are four up save. When there are at least 10 of them, they get plus one to their save roll, so a three up. If they have shields, they're ignoring mortals on a five up. I think you are more likely than not going to be taking Chaos Legionnaires for no reason other than, wow, like mm-hmm. that is just an absolute wrench you can throw at somebody and tell sure. them to dodge it. Like Sure. All at attack, all at defense. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre, bizarre, bizarre. Yeah, but I think it's a neat addition because we really didn't have that in there in terms of what they can do now. I think it's good to have that choice. As much as I know a lot of people, including you, just love your Chaos Warrior models. They're so cool. They're iconic. And we got, we're getting new ones, which are even cooler oh my looking. my goodness. Those are so cool for so many reasons. <laughs> they retain the aesthetic of what Chaos Warriors are, which are... To me, Chaos Warriors are the aesthetic of Warhammer Fantasy. Mm-hmm. They have blended that aesthetic with kind of like dark Stormcast. Mm-hmm. So cool. Excellent. Just fantastic. So, I'm so excited for, yeah. for those models. Yeah. And the Legionnaire models actually are pretty sharp looking too. They really are. They look like, you know, gladiators. Yeah. So it's kind of a neat choice for slaves. I'm going with Legionnaires, and you're going with Legionnaires. Legionnaires. Okay, we both are. All right, Coolio. So we are going to take a little bit of a break now, and we are going to come back with the longest of our lists because we've got order order to deal with, and there's a lot of interesting, interesting choices here. Some of them pretty tough. So we'll be right back with that. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. We are back, and we're going to talk about some order stuff. And we're going to start with cities. What we're doing is we're going to kind of break it down because there's a lot of battle line here, Brendan. So we're going to start with two of the Dark Elves units. We're going to compare Bleak Swords and Dark Shards. Yep, and it's really not any comparison for me when with any of the ones that we could have picked as long as Dark Shards are in the conversation. Mm-hmm. You're 115 points for Dark Shards. Bleak Swords are 90 points. Both of them are units of 10 Dark Shards are 16-inch range with two attacks, fours and fours. Mm-hmm. And you get benefits to hit if there's at least 10 or more of them, where Bleak Swords are exploding sixes, which is nice, and you also get that bonus to hit roll. Yeah, Bleak Swords are a bit more durable, but at the same time, you're going to be in danger in order to do anything with them. Mm-hmm. Pairing that with one spell that you get for playing in the Dark Shards city basically Mm -hmm. where you can turn something save off dark shards are gross Mm -hmm. no you've experienced that personally i have yeah (laughs) dark shards are gross there's not too big of a points difference and between the two i'll take the unit that can reach out and touch somebody you're probably taking something like bleak swords for a screen though sure i'm taking uh, dark shards as well because of the rule that you can turn off a save that is so powerful man and you're getting that for what 115 points i think it is yeah for 10 of them Oh, yeah, do it. That's really, really cool. But again, you have to build around that to a point where you can have the ability to turn that on. But still, uh, very, very meaningful for that rule. The next choice we have are... Humans. Yes, actually human beings. So we have crossbows versus guard versus gunners here is what we're taking out. Our three choices. One of these we want to get rid of right away? I don't think so. I think if you're going to get rid of any of them, it's going to be the handgunners. Mm-hmm. And that's really just for the volume of attacks that you're mm-hmm. going to be dealing with. They certainly serve a purpose mm-hmm. in terms of picking off stuff. And these are kind of your snipers, right? That's their 
function, as it were. And just look at the model, you can tell what it is. They have the opportunity at free Unleash Hells, which is cool. They have the opportunity for a built-in plus one to hit rolls, which is good. It makes them very reliable. They're sitting on Ren 1, which is nice. You talk about crossbowmen, which are a longer range. Mm-hmm. As long as they don't move, you get one of the attacks characteristics, so double the output. You have the opportunity to get some rend out there with things like Purple Sun, and you definitely have the opportunity to do that because City's casters oh, are, are really pretty good. Good, yeah. They're the same points, which is neat. And then you end up talking about Guard, which are 85 points. Mm-hmm. They are a little bit more durable. Their combat isn't anything special to write home about they really suffer in the face of what this current handbook is yes absolutely they they don't do anything to do anything and all they're gonna do is just get mulched Mm -hmm. where at least as in the version of crossbowmen or handgunners you have the potential opportunity of doing something in return yeah and their spears you know arming them with spears now is because they are galatian veterans that's kind of meaningless mm-hmm. you know in terms of that and we've talked about that with some other units that have two inch reach that are veterans so i'm going to take the crossbows just because of the shooting piece and the effectiveness of their shooting if you take them in sufficient numbers they can be really really annoying and really useful at supporting the rest of your army it's just a matter of placing them where you want to place them because they do have that bonus for not moving yep so you want to make sure that you get them somewhere really early where they can do what they need to do and with a 24 inch range is pretty dark and respectable you should be able to do that if you're thinking ahead which most com- good competitive players do they can figure out where they need to put them to make them effective and your gunners what's your purpose here what are you taking them for you're not taking them to knock out units you're not taking them to knock out monsters you're taking them to try to most likely take out small heroes yeah if that's what you want to do then that might be a choice but i think overall for the points the crossbows are the most valuable of these three choices brendan okay it's time to talk about jordan <laughs> so iron breakers versus longbeards this is an interesting choice mm-hmm. longbeards are 105 iron breakers are 110 iron breakers don't have the opportunity to really do like any sort of special damage they're a three up save which is this- insane which is really nice yeah you have the opportunity with long beards to make a choice you can either go with the weapon that has rend or the weapon that doesn't and if you don't mm-hmm. then you get at one to save in combat but you have mm-hmm. your old grumblers rules mm-hmm. you know which gives you a free attempt to dispel you can give free rerolls of one to wound for friendly dispossessed units which is pretty good and that rule is especially useful with something like iron drakes in your mm-hmm. army and that's probably the thing that ends up tipping it over the fence for me, is taking a unit of long beards. You can make them just as durable, effectively, as long as something doesn't have rend. If it does have rend one, you know, you have to spend an all-out defense to get them to that same level. They're going to be doing roughly the same damage individually, but they are going to provide a force multiplier effect. And I take long beards here because of their flexibility. Because okay. the old grumblers rule, you can make them do what they need to do at that particular moment in the battle. Having an army or having any unit that gives you that flex tactical flexibility is useful. And I think for the points, you get more out of them that way than you would with iron breakers. That rule puts them over for me. All right, so I think we're in agreement on that one. Long beards it is. Let's move on to daughters. This is just such a freaking hard choice for me. It's an embarrassment of riches is what it is. Oh my 
Gosh, man. Our two choices here, listeners, are witch elves or sisters of slaughter. And man, having had a daughter's army that was just saturated with witch elves. And now I have that daughter's yes, army. Yes, you do. Darn you. I mean, you can have it back. I'll sell no, it to no, you for exactly the no, same price. No, no, I, I can't have it back because <laughs> I really got to. I'm just going to go with the witch elves here. A lot of it has to do with... I mean, you can take bucklers on both these units. Yep. So you can get the the punch back. It comes down to... So for 20 more points, Mm -hmm. do you want... Four sisters. Right. So sisters Sisters are 20 20 more more. points. Yeah. Four sisters, do you want the extra six-inch pylon, but giving up the add one to wound rolls for your units? Witches, yeah. Everybody talks about it way more than they should, probably, but the plus one to wound is so much more valuable to me. I mean, these are both units that want to, I mean, their desire is to get in. So is that pile invaluable? Oh, yeah, that's huge. But I do think the plus one to wound, especially since you're talking about weight of dice with both of these units, is valuable in terms of damage dealing. Mm-hmm. The flexibility of getting in exists with sisters more than it does with witches. But man, you're going to do more damage, impact damage when you hit the other unit. And I think that's worth choosing the witches over the sisters yep. for me. I'm in agreement. To me, it's not a choice as well. You take you know dagger and buckler, you're effectively at threes and threes, which is better you know, you're losing an inch of range. You're not piling six inches. Fine, fine, whatever. Right. Okay. As you said, it's a a matter of choosing between two really good, valuable quality units here is what you're doing. Yep. All right. Let's move on to our Fire Slayer buddies. Also to me, not a choice, but I like (laughs) to see where you're at with this. Okay. I find... It's a choice, but it's not a choice. Yeah. And we'll see where we go with this. I'm going to choose Sling Shields. Same. Okay, the hand axe thing, it's cool. Don't do anything. Right, but it's whatever it is. I I don't find any value in it. The sling shield mechanic, I find that much more valuable because you're generating mortals, which is always a good thing. You have the possibility of generating mortals. And so if I have to choose these two, I'm going with sling shields all day here. Yeah, sling shields... You get an additional improvement to your base save, mm-hmm. you know, where the hand axe one is two attacks, threes and threes, no rend, damage one. The You get an extra attack if you charge, cool. With the sling shield, your four up save base, you don't get as many attacks, but when you charge, you get to do mortal wounds. That is way more reliable than what you're looking at. You are just going to die as the non-sling shield versions <laughs> if your opponent doesn't have, right. even if your opponent doesn't have Ren, it tips over from a 50-50 prospect to a 33% prospect yeah. with no Rend. And the moment Rend is introduced, like you go from a 50% to a 33% with your bucklers and shields, mm-hmm. or a 33% to a 16%. It's having. Which is a 50% reduction by just mm-hmm. the presence of Rend. Yeah, and if for those who are questioning that you know there are a lot of units in this world of sigmar that have a six up ward save but let's be honest about that it's still difficult to get that six up ward once in a while you if you spike it works out but you never really rely on that Mm -hmm. because it's a one out of six chance and this to me is the same kind of thing you know it's like yeah all of a sudden you're at one out of six to save with no rend that's not the unit you're taking to do right no no not at all damage is the name of the game right because yes, you got to remove other players' armies. Yeah, generally. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about Eidneth. Deep kin. Soul suckers here. Yeah. Reavers oh, and thralls. Man. Reavers I, are 170. Thralls are 130. I need to just stop reading stories about 
the Eidneth. Because the more I read these stories, the more I hate these guys. Like, just this visceral hatred for what they do. Ah! Stop! Okay, so let's talk about the game. Uh, <laughs> Reavers versus Thralls. I played against both enough now. I used to be a lot more afraid before I played to them of Reavers. Reavers are good. There's no question about it. But Thralls are just better. They've gotten better. They've seen their points decrease in enough mm -hmm. of a way. They've seen mm -hmm. benefits built up around them in the various armies. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. And the damage output that they can get with just a couple of simple buffs is frightening. It really is frightening to me. Yeah. So I'm taking Thralls if I have to spend the points. And the Reavers are 40 more points for the same number of models. Yeah, I get it. You know, good shooting attacks, awesome. That's great. But the damage output is way higher. Yeah, you got to get them in contact. But I've rarely played a game where the Thralls don't come into contact with me or I with them. For the points, I'm taking thralls all day, Brandon. How about you? This one's a tough one. The extra 40 points can feel difficult to justify. Mm. One of the things that is very special is their 18-inch range, two attacks, mm. threes by mm. threes, rend one, damage one. You have the ability to place curse on an enemy unit to really jack up you know, their damage. Sure. I'm actually probably going to take Reavers. Yeah. It's very difficult to get your hands on them. It's very difficult to do anything at range to them, especially if you are playing intelligently with your Deepkin and using your rules to your maximum benefits. They can definitely pull off some key support pieces. They can definitely clean out mm -hmm. some very specific things as you move around the game. So mm -hmm. I'm going Reavers. We're going to disagree here. So we have KO and we have one choice. We have Arcanaut Company. That's great. KO players, we love you, but we're moving on. For Lumineth, at least at this point, we have Wardens. And that's a single choice for their battle line, pure battle line. That means we move on to Seraphon. And we have chosen to compare Skinks and Warriors here. Two very <sighs> different units. <laughs> yes. I think... I think, being the operative word here. Yeah, so Skanks are 75, Warriors are 105 points for 10 of them. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very different units. Skinks are more universally going to be taking, and that's mm -hmm. and that's probably going to be what drives the choices here. They're not more durable, they don't do more damage, but they provide such an incredible and excellent screen that just annoy your opponent to death. Mm -hmm. Where Warriors have a level of durability, they're a 4-up save mm -hmm. base, which is quite good. You know, they have the opportunity to do more damage, they have the opportunity to have more attacks. If you take them in one of the coalesced, you know, sub-factions, then they reduce incoming damage by one. They're a good choice. They're okay. a good thing to take. Sure. But basically every list is going to have skinks in it at some point. Sure. Now, don't the skinks still have the deal where one of their heroes can make their uh, attacks mortal wounds? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's another thing that I thought about when I was going for the choice here. And I know that's that shooting attack that they have that typically people put that on. And that's really powerful. Extremely. I'm going to go with skinks here. So that's the choice for us. Okay. So let's move into Stormcast. We've got three sets of choices here that so we... So many choices. Yeah. The first one is we're going to compare Judicators here. Yeah. So we got Judicators with bows and Judicators with crossbows. crossbows. All right. Brendan, what do you think? Oof. So 190 points for the crossbows, mm -hmm. 200 for the regular bows. Mm -hmm. The crossbows, if they hit, they score two hits. Mm -hmm. uh, which is really good. Yeah. Given that they're two attacks apiece, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. you have the possibility of landing, you know, upwards of 20 attacks. Mm -hmm. The Thunderbolt crossbow that the champion has is a little bit different. It doesn't quite work in the exact same way. The Judicators with the Skybolt bows are also two attacks apiece, but they have Rend 
and then the champion has a d6 attack. Mm-hmm. Unmodified hit rolls of sixes with the skybolt bows are a mortal wound, and you're done. If you know you're going to be coming into light targets, the answer is the bolt storm crossbows, where you mm-hmm. just overwhelm in weight of fire. Yeah, that's cool. Skybolt bows are probably for the extra ten points that you're taking for them is probably the way to go. You go hero hunting with them. Mm-hmm. You know, you it's a twenty-four inch range, I believe. Yeah. Yep. You take on some more difficult and dangerous prospects. The Boltstorm crossbow at 18 isn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. No. But you're really hoping to find some sixes. So what are you thinking in terms of your choices? Crossbows? The regular bows. Oh, regular bows. Regular okay. bows for the mortal wounds. Okay, got it. And I'm going to take the crossbows just for weighted dice. I think that's valuable. Again, depending on what you want to do. Let's move on to our next choice, which is liberators versus new liberators, sort of. <laughs> liberators vindictors. versus vindictors, yeah. Yeah, this one's kind of a no-brainer mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah. You're a four-up save base on the liberators at 115 points. Mm-hmm. The vindictors are 130 points with a three-up save base. Yep. Sixes to hit with the vindictors are a mortal wound, which is quite good. And then with your regular liberators, they do have rend, which is nice. But at the same time, give me the thing that is a three-up save as battle line. That's very good. Absolutely. It's hard to find. Very Very difficult in this game. Normally you're pleased with a four-up save. So give me the unit that's a three-up. Yeah. I put this here just because people relied on liberators for a lot of things. And I think a few people still do. You know, they deep strike them or they use them for whatever it is, objective grabbing, whatever. And they were just a real workhorse unit for so long. But when the Vindictors came along, it was like, oh, this choice, it became not a choice anymore. So much less of one. But it's okay. It's nice that there's an updated version, if you want to call it that, of liberators. And if I was a Storm class player, I would be very happy to know that I had this choice now. So I'm going to take Vindictors. I want to say Vindicators. (laughs) Vindictors when I have these two choices. So now we're getting down to the last choice here for these, which is Vanquishers versus... Sequiturs. Sequiturs are 145. Vanquishers are 125. Sequiturs are, as many folks may remember, the new chamber that came out with second edition. So they have their sacrosanct weapons, which are good. Their big ability is channeling if they're going to power up their shields or if they're going to power up their weapons. Mm -hmm. You get a five up ward if you power up your shields. If six is to hit, it's two hits with their weapons, which is Mm -hmm. a good and interesting choice, especially since you're two attacks apiece, where... Mm -hmm. Vanquishers are a little bit different, obviously. They're a little bit cheaper. Their big rule is based on the number of models in the enemy unit. So Mm -hmm. they get plus one if there are five or more models, plus two if there are ten or more models. So they can be four attacks apiece. These are an incredible unit to throw into bounty hunters. Oh, yeah. To go Galatian veteran hunting, which... You're going to be doing that in this game Yeah. yeah, right now. I think in most cases, you're going to be taking Vanquishers because you're saving 20 points. Stormcasts are very points-heavy, so finding small efficiencies are very good. I don't think you'd be wrong for wanting to take Sequiturs to go and throw in the 5-up ward saves. I'm going to take Vanquishers just because of where we are in the game right now. Mm -hmm. I think it's worthwhile. It's going to be... I think you're going to be... You go to a tournament... You've got a lot higher percentage chance of fighting an army that has units that have 10 or more models than you would have before. And so why not take three or four, depending on what they have? I mean, imagine running a unit of 10 of these into some 60 zombies, man. You can do some work. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, 21 attacks at 125 points at rend one, damage two. (sighs) Goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so finally, Brendan, we're going to come to Sylvaneth, and it's Dryads versus Tree Revs here. Mm-hmm. I think Tree Revs are 
unmistakably the go-to choice. You certainly get more board coverage, as you've mentioned before, with the Dryads, because they are 32 mil bases, which you pointed out to me. I was not aware of that. Thank you. But tree revs are just anywhere, anytime. They are so good at battle tactics, at least a couple of them. They are, nothing is guaranteed in this game, but boy, if you take a couple of units or be crazy like Dan and take four or five units of them, you will get at least a couple battle tactics in a game. If your opponent is defending board space in such a way from the couple of units that you may have of tree revenants mm-hmm. in the hopes of preventing battle tactics, you're already playing up on points. Yes. Yeah. They're very good offensively. Dryads are the defensive choice where they serve as excellent screens. You have the ability to hand out minus one to hit and minus one to wound while right. you're wholly within nine inches of uh, overgrown or wildwoods. Or wildwoods, both. Yep. yep. That makes them an excellent screen. I think, though, for the extra 10 points where you're going to force your opponent to defend all places, all game, all five battle rounds, Mm -hmm. that's 10 points well spent. Okay. Now, there's a perfectly valid reason to take both of them, obviously. Do you think you use tree revs for screens at all? No. They they don't seem like there's ever a time I would want to use them for that because they have so much more value. No. You want to throw tree revs in expert conquerors as Mm -hmm. the five to make them count as 15. Sure. Makes sense. Go steal an objective because Mm -hmm. if you stand, you know, kind of off to the side of an objective, you're not going to be able to cover all of it. Or you have to put your unit dead center in the middle of one Mm -hmm. to keep you off of it. Or you try and land your charge. Maybe you kill a couple models. Maybe you've got a couple still there. But if you've got three, you've at least got nine. Okay, coolio. Tree revs. All right, tree revs all day. All right, Brendan. Well, that's that's it. it. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Again, as you said at the outset, a little more focused on gameplay than last time, but hopefully this was helpful to a lot of people who have wanted to make those choices or Maybe you're haven't on the been able about to. Some battle line units. Yeah. So again, this is all pure battle line, and a lot of people play battle line if, but um, we're seeing a lot of both. And these units that we've talked about have a lot of value for the points. Okay, Brendan, it's time to move on, my friend. We're moving on to Scriptorium. Etc. 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 New releases. We have a few more than I thought we were going to have at this time. So first one is a book called Awakenings. It's about an inquisitor named Astra Sabathian. She has been in like suspended animation for like a hundred years. So she's come back. You can imagine a hundred years in the 40k universe. What has happened in that time? So she comes back. She's an inquisitor. So first of all, everybody's not sure about her. There's a lot of mistrust and typically as there is in the Inquisition, there's a lot of politicking and all those kind of things that she has to deal with when she comes back and still do her job. So it looks interesting, and I'm sure if you're into Inquisitors and the Inquisition, this would be an interesting book. Zach, I'm talking to you. We got Hamilcar, the Bear Eater, has his own full novel now. All we've really gotten is short stories before, but we have a whole new book now. It's a full-length audiobook called Hamilcar, Champion of the Gods. So if you are a Hamilcar fan, you will be no doubt, listening to this book. He's a fun character. I've read a couple of his short stories. I don't know that I'd listen to the whole thing, but he is very, very unique. So much uh, He's He is kind of like a human go trick is the best way I can describe him. He's just nuts, but it's really fun to read about him. The next one we have, I believe it's the 15th or 16th Primarch book, which is Mortarian. I have no interest in this book because he's one of the Primarchs. I, yeah, no. <laughs> Mortarian, not. I know his origin story so this 
you know, won't add anything for me. Uh, another thing that's kind of exciting, though, that's come out for Iron Warriors fans is we're having a Storm of Iron, which is an original Iron Warriors book. It ended up being like a series, and it's on audio now, kind of similar to the way they're doing the Gaunt's Ghost books on audio. Storm of Iron is a Graham McNeil book. And again, this is where the bad guys are the good guys in this. So if you're into the heresy and you're into heretic legions, this might be something that would be of interest to you. And the Iron Warriors and their uh, Primarch are very unique in a lot of ways. Probably be of interest. And I'm sure they're going to put the other books on audio as well. Uh, Another thing that came out late this past week was something called Vorbis Conspiracy. It is a Warhammer crime anthology. So if you've been enjoying the Warhammer crime books, this seems to be of interest. And then uh, Nightbringer is coming out shortly, which it's like, it sounds like a special edition and the whole kind of deal. I think it's like a 20th anniversary or something book. It's the first Uriel Ventress book. Uh, So we learned about him. He was a major character in the Ultramarines. A lot of people have read about him. He's certainly one of my favorites. So a new edition or whatever of this book is coming out, which is really, really great. That's the new stuff, Brandon. A fair amount. How about your... Well, my activity, what I'm reading. So I'm listening to Echoes of Eternity still. (sighs) I've got about seven hours left to go. So it's very good. It's very interesting. I hadn't read a lot of Blood Angel stuff. I'm learning a lot about their legion their lore it's very 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 interesting that like the relationship that the blood angels have with the world eaters is weirdly close Mm -hmm. you know but they're diametric opposites in finding their primarch the directions that they headed yes that's what i've been listening to still my watches are all still kind of the same so okay coolio So I am absolutely buried in Echoes of Eternity, not having played games or much hobby or much outside gaming or anything else. It's just been Echoes of Eternity. I'm about halfway through the book, a little bit more than that. You know, the first three chapters were just so depressing, Brendan. (laughs) Like, gosh, it was like, this is an Aaron Dembski-Bowden book. And I was like, Aaron, please, like, stop, because I can't read much more of this. I was just going to not read anymore. But then it kind of shifted. To your point on the Blood Angels lore, it was really cool the way he introduced their origin story kind of a thing. And you're going, wow, this is really kind of creepy, what they were before. (laughs) It's like, yeah. They're very weird. Yeah. You don't have any wonder about why the Flesh Terrors became one of their... What they they are. Yeah, Yeah, one one of their... Successor chapters. Successor chapters. That's what I was thinking of, yeah. There's no doubt why that happened. So I love the kind of diametric comparison between one of the blood angels and one of the world eaters how they've you know they were brothers and they weren't and it just he's kind of writing their stories parallel and that's really fascinating to see how that's where that's going to end up at the end of the book and then you have of course you know you have sanguinius and you have angron you could not ask for more different primarchs oh my gosh very, very cool. Just an excellent. Another book. This is number seven, and I don't want number eight to come because I don't want it to end. It's so good. I finished Thunderstrike, which I talked about before, the Sigmar anthology. It's kind of hit and miss, so it was okay. You know, if you're into Sigmar Mortal Realms stuff, you 
probably would enjoy it. Then once I finished that, I started listening to Throne of Light, which is a Dawn of Fire book. It's the number four book in that series. And I forgot I even had it in my library. I saw it as like, oh my gosh, I have to listen to this. So I am going to finish that up. And then there's a God's Ghost book I talked about last episode that I'm going to jump on when this is done. Dark Neck Diaries. As always, I saw Bullet Train, the movie, and it actually was pretty entertaining. It is definitely just listeners for your information. It is Adult Swim, no doubt. I mean, there's a lot of really bloody violence, you know, maybe more mature your more mature children, like high school or something, can handle it. But if they're not going to be into a little bit of uh, bloody violence, you probably don't want to take them to this. It was interesting because like 90% of the movie was on a bullet train. And they filmed this in Japan, it was very obvious, on a Japanese bullet train. Jeez. Which was so cool because you just don't realize what that's like. You know, you hear about it, but then you see it and you see them stopping at stations and doing all the stuff. And it was very entertaining. So I would definitely recommend it. It's, you don't have to think a lot. The story kind of tells itself, but there's a lot of really interesting plot twists and things you might miss if you're not paying attention. So very, very cool. And there is, uh, not giving anything away for those who have history with Thomas the Tank Engine and that whole children's story, there is some reference to that in this in a dark way but it's very cool it's very cool the way they integrated some simple childlike thing into this really dark movie so that's it for me bud you know we'd be getting ready for our camping trip and stuff so i've been doing that and not a whole lot of other stuff oh yeah you know not a whole lot you know no. the, it's <laughs> anyway. just, you know, like seven books <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's move on to this or that Brendan? Dan? What are we doing? I think I'll go first this time. Okay. Coolio? Dan, what was the most difficult battle line comparison that we did? The one that you felt most anguish in trying to determine which one to take? Oh, there's no thought about that. It's witches versus sisters. You had the hardest time with that one. I did. Okay. Because with the change in the book, you know, and some of the rules changes, the way Daughters is now, I just found it very difficult because... I have this personal affinity to witches, but sisters have become really good unit, very quality unit, and a very quality choice. How about you just ask it back real quick? I think I actually struggled with our first one the most, which was the chain race oh. versus hex race. Mm. If for no reason other than I know the value I personally place on units like Chainrass, you know, mm -hmm. and the way that they take buffs and the way that they can defend mm. so well versus what I know to be true in the Hexwraith War Scroll in seeing what other competitive Nighthaunt players are putting together and looking at it and going, yes, like I am aware that that is a very good choice. It just doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. If we have to find another episode, basically, oh, to God, record, no. nah. would you prefer that we do battle line if comparisons mm. or doing sub-faction rankings kind of like what we did for the big heroes and monsters just in terms of volume i think about the sub-factions the number of those well we wouldn't do all of them right no, like that's but the... yeah we'd have to pick a couple of each i think i'd rather do sub-factions okay i think that would be more interesting if we pick two you know, out of each book or something. I think that would be fine. Yeah, I just think it would be more interesting in terms of, we've talked about units enough already. That would be a little change of pace that I would enjoy more. Okay. Yeah. So we're halfway through this handbook since it's on an every six month schedule now. Yes. So we got a new handbook that's probably going to be coming up in December timeframe. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we've seen is that they replaced the core battalions. 
Yes. So what two core battalions kinds of things would you like to see knowing that in the first one we saw the alpha beast pack right where you got monsters get to make a free move Mm -hmm. and you had your hunters of the heartland where you couldn't be roared Mm -hmm. you you couldn't be monstrous action in any way that was so valuable now you have expert conquerors and now you have bounty hunters you know Mm -hmm. what sort of what sort of battalions would you like to see in the next handbook well first thing that to answer that, I know what I wouldn't like to see, which is some kind of a buff for cavalry units. I just think of... You don't I, want a buff for cavalry No, no, no. Units? And isn't that... It's so counterintuitive, listeners. I know when you... Dan, what are you talking I'm about? I'm going to go back and listen to the, this whole episode because <laughs> I'm suddenly very confused. No, it's because cavalry units can be so good now. Like, I look at the number of armies that will take you know like pigs pig armies and stuff they're so good already they don't need anything more (laughs) to be good i don't want to see that if it's going to be like unit wide for like cavalry units you know that kind of thing i would like to see something that and the galatian veterans has kind of done it but i think something that would make armies more defensively viable like give a certain battalion everything in that battalion like a five up ward or something wow or something like that you know make it that would be really good and it would be like a pure we just talked about pure battle line but a pure battle line thing so you have to take those units and staking instead of taking battle line if because we're so motivated to take battle line if right because there's that differential between basic and elite. So let's make those battle line units really worth taking Sorry, and really make players. them yeah, for what they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so but that's one battalion I think would be really cool. Another one would be Or even the other half of this, you know, potentially is what would you like the focus of the next handbook to be? I think it would be the Just the pure battle line. The lowly units, the ones that the purest of battle lines. Yeah. The, the unfiltered, just... You know, like something that would make those gluttons really cool. You know, that would be neat. Yeah. You know, because you don't have a lot of choices. We'll find out, and we might, we'll find out that maybe they are going to get something here in a little bit. Same with wardens. You know, the only choice, what do you do? To, they're already cool enough. There's a lot of battle line that are just there. So that would be my focus, would okay. be making pure battle line a little bit better. That's a good question for this episode, so... All right. Question number four here, Dan... Week one of the NFL is behind us, and Mm. as is tradition with the start of any sports season, I ask you a question at the beginning that I don't keep track of, and I hope someone out there is. Which two teams are in the Super Bowl, Dan? For somebody who doesn't really watch the NFL. What two uh, teams are in the Super Bowl, Dan? Sure. Green Bay. Okay. You know, yeah, I'm here. Kansas City. Okay. I'll take Kansas City. Kansas City. Yep. AFC team. Okay. All right. My last question. What should I play at Dragonfall? (laughs) I think you should, this is an easy answer for me. I think you should play the army you love the most. I think you should play Bone Reapers. I thought you were going to say something ridiculous like Skaven. But no. Dan, I don't have a Skaven army. <laughs> I think you should play something you love. And you really, really enjoy Bone Reapers. You put them on the table. And they make me happy. Yeah, I mean, why not play an army you're going to enjoy? And knowing you, you can make them very competitive. You've got that ability to do that. If for no other reason than the absence of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I think it would also drive you to play, if it's possible for you to play better than you already do, I think it would drive you to really focus on perfection. And so that would be my choice for you to take the Dragonfall, Brendan. Okay. Yep. Well, those are my five questions, Dan. Okay. The first one is two of the single choices. Okay. Gluttons or Savage Oryx? Ooh. I think 
Savage Orcs are the better choice. Gluttons are just so expensive. They don't hardly do anything. Savage Orcs at least come in at a price point where if you go to match the points of what the Gluttons are, you're going to get some good output. You get a lot of good board space. You have the opportunity to do a bunch of damage. Like, like you can do it right. Okay. So are you going to take Battle Line or Conditional Battle Line? You can only take one in your army that you're going to take to whatever. Mm. As like a net whole statement, Conditional Battle Line... Those armies tend to skew more in a specific direction, and that can cause interesting problems for your opponent that they're unable to deal with sometimes. Okay. All right. See, you know, Blight Lords. Okay, sure. All right, you're going to go to a tournament, but you have two choices. You're going to go to a hotbox tournament or a frozen tundra tournament. In other words, you're going to go to a tournament where you know oh, that the outside or temperature is 105, or the other extreme is the outside temperature give is me, minus five. Give me frostbitten wapaka. We're indoors. Well, uh, you could say that about hot, too, because you got air conditioning. But. No. <laughs> it is much easier for a hot environment to permeate a closed space with lots of people in it okay. than it is for a cold environment to permeate that space with a lot of people in it. Okay. Right? Because we are naturally heat-generating objects. Oh, sure. Right? You know, there is a mm-hmm. you know chemical equation that is coursing through our body that is, yeah. if, like, creating heat in a caloric burn. The Matrix says we're human batteries. Yeah. yeah. We generate heat. And- okay. So Frozen Tundra it is for you. We're going to have a matchup here between professional team and a college team oh boy so would you prefer if you could get a ticket to one of these games to go to a mid-tier nfl team versus the number one college football team the college football team would get murdered but okay okay. separate or separate from you promoting homicide on the channel right or mid-tier nba versus number one college basketball team just to go to the game and watch it which would you rather go and see i mean that nba team would score 180 points at least if I go to the basketball game, I'm not going to risk someone dying on the court. There's <laughs> the a, size comparison There's is... a real and meaningful difference between part of the reason why you can go to one year of college or one year playing overseas and, and come play in the NBA. There's a reason that they mm. used to have a rule where you could go from high school to the pros in the NBA, mm. where in the NFL and, you know, separate the concept of the monopoly and that they have a basically free minor league system in college football, <laughs> that they require you for to do that for three years, you know, to develop into that. Because even on Alabama's team, They have 18-year-olds out there playing Mm -hmm. football where every single guy on the pros Mm -hmm. is one of the best guys Mm -hmm. to play that game. And they are grown men Mm -hmm. where their whole job is to be Mm. fast and strong and dangerous. So I said mid-tier. Do you think this would apply for the NFL team with the worst record? Yes. Yeah, so yes. it doesn't matter what the record is. It would still be a smash-up either there, way. There is a fundamental difference between a sure. 28-year-old, oh, five, oh, right. five-year NFL veteran. That weighs 260 pounds, yeah, or more. Where their whole mindset, their whole being is sculpted into the perfect machine to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, versus... Even on Alabama, right, where all of these guys feed into the pros mm-hmm. and they are solid contributors for a long period of time. Sure. You have that monster of a man, you mm-hmm. know, playing on the defensive line against you, guy who's 19 years old, mm-hmm. who went to your high school prom four months ago. Right, right. You got to deal with that. Right. So you'd rather go to the NBA t- game just because yeah you didn't want to see murder with the moral you didn't want to see the the damage the physical damage that would happen okay so the last one is your two favorite tailgate foods if you're going to a football game all right pick one tell me what they are and then pick one 
your two favorite ones. Oh, wow. My favorite part. So I love college football for everyone. Uh, who that's know why that. I'm asking. Yes. One of my favorite parts of college football games is going to other places. Mm-hmm. It's tough because like regionally, like everyone's got something that's like really cool and really different. Like it's tough to do it wrong kind of a thing. Sure. Whatever the locals takes place on like, you know, hamburger kind mm-hmm. of thing is, right. you know, like that's really cool. But like going like the thing I want to do at my core, I'm so excited at some point to make this trip. It's not on my calendar. I don't know when it's going to happen. I want to go to a night game at LSU, Death Valley. Oh, wow, yeah. Their tailgating is legendary. I want to go to that. Okay. And if you went to that, what would you eat? What would be your choice? Whatever they tell me. Okay, whatever's the thing. Okay, (laughs) all right, that's fair. Don't ask too many questions. It might be gator. It might be crayfish. Like doesn't matter. I don't want to know what it is. Just, Just feed it to me and see what I like it or not. Okay, cool. All right, that's it, buddy. Time for show close. Uh, Show close time. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. It's show close time. And first of all, we have our Q&A, one Mm -hmm. each. Why don't you go ahead and give me yours first? This one was actually picked up after our show on the Dias cast. The question is from an anonymous listener. Saw you two on the Dias cast, and I have one question. Is Dan very large or Brendan very small? I was not (laughs) expecting Dan to be such a large human being. (laughs) It's bad. I'm trying to get smaller. I don't think he means like like, Girth. like your gut or anything. Just I'm just taller. Um, yeah. So I had to go back and look at that episode. And normally, like when when I'm on there talking to Nick or Justin, like you know, sure. like we're relatively in the same frame. But Nick had to like aim it up so that like both of us were in the same picture <laughs> and back the camera up so it didn't That's look hilarious. like that it was just like my nose. <laughs> That um, is really funny. I'm That's five foot eight. Uh, Dan is well into six feet. <laughs> It's a great question, whoever asked it. <laughs> I'll go with Dan is a very tall person. Yeah, yeah. My question was from a guy named Tom, and it was, again, a follow-up to our crazy episode about uh, monsters and big guys. Well, you committed yeah. some war crimes yeah, uh, absolutely. on opinions. <laughs> this is great. Very simple question. He, and it was basically, Dan, after listening to your episode and your opinions about maw crushes, his question was, when are you going to intervention? Mm-hmm. That was it. That was the question. And the answer, Tom, is probably never because you won't change my mind about the way the model looks. But I love you all. Everybody who has a mall crusher, you all rock it. It's all great. But no. <laughs> and I respect all your opinions. They're just wrong. <laughs> well, okay. So, Brendan, what do we got for Sunday announcements here? Well, we've got some made-to-order Space Marine Heroes. Oh, God, this is not... Don't say that. And some made-to-order Middle-Earth models. Uh, some Black Library stuff. And then the Zinch Battle Tome is up for pre-order. Zinch only? Zinch only. Wow, that's a surprise. Based, I mean, It's good news. It's it a Battle Tome. But it's a surprise that they only brought out Just one. Just one. Yes, I roughly going on. skimmed through the article. I didn't see anything listed as to what's happening with the Lumineth. It's basically just, hey, you know, Zinch is coming out and the pre-order. Wow. There's a Vanguard Disciple of Zinch box. Mm-hmm. Uh, which has some flamers, some acolytes, some zangors, some screamers, and a magister on. Oh, screamers, good. Okay. You get the dice. You get the war scroll cards. That's cool. It does say though, if you're wondering where their Lumineth rivals are, don't worry. Zinch's plans have been too successful, and the battle tome in the Vanguard box for the Lumineth Realm Wards will be along soon. Okay. So. All right. Hopefully in a couple weeks. Hopefully. Maybe ogres before that. You'd be happy. I'd be so happy. <laughs> Man, if I could get ogres for Dragonfall. 
All in. Perfect. Ready to go. Let's do it. Episode 107 will be Zinch. Will be Zinch. Whenever it is, yeah. So we're going to post this probably about a week from now. We ended up that we're earlier. We thought it was going to be longer, but I think it'll be still a two-week gap between this episode and the last one, which is great. And then by the time the Zinch book arrives physically in two weeks from now when we're recording we should have time that maybe we do i think your schedule's still kind of crazy so we'll my do my schedule a, is still dumb but uh, yes we'll next. probably do a weekday recording again or something so um, we can get that that, in. that coming up i would be available that sunday so we'll see but episode 107 is definitely going to be Zinch, which is great. I'm really happy about that. I think we all are. All right. Yeah, finally. So that's it. Hopefully everybody enjoyed our second shot at craziness here. And Brendan, thank you for going through all this with me. It's always great to hear your thoughts and opinions as, of course. as a really skilled, you know, Sigmar player. Listeners, as always, thank you very much for being with us. I say that, but I truly mean it. It's great that you're here and that you're supporting us by listening. Spread the word if you think we're worthwhile. We appreciate that as well. And you all stay safe, stay healthy, and don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you're up to something. Bye. This is the end.